never trust a narcissist, but they love me. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I have been so, so busy setting up a lot of life changes and I've missed you all terribly. After a crazy, freaky Friday experience last year at work, I decided to look for new jobs and I'd go through all these interviews outside of my eight to five hours and really just didn't have time to podcast. But it's 2023 and we are back and I gave my 30-day notice at my current job on December 27th, and now I have two new jobs that I've signed contracts with, one part-time cash pay telehealth physical therapy to begin setting up my own private practice on the side, and another with a four-day 32-hour work week with benefits, so I still have a solid income and I have more time to invest in all my side hustles like this podcast. So with that, welcome back to Keeping Up With Kennedy. Let's all begin by hopping in the time machine back to October of 2015. It's my first ever semester of college, and my university seminar professor, Reed Davis, shout out to the homie, just assigned us all the book, The Sociopath Next Door by Martha Stout, PhD, to read. On the cover, it states that, quote, one in 25 ordinary Americans secretly has no conscience and can do anything at all without feeling guilty. Who is the devil you know, end quote. And right here, at the young age of 18, in the first floor of McKenna Hall begins our ongoing deep dive and exposure into the world of the narcissist. Now, I don't have this book anymore, but I did actually buy a copy of it in like 2021 to lend to one of my friends to read so that she could better understand our old roommate from North Carolina. Shout out. Now, I'm not diagnosing anyone here, and as a caveat, this book that I read does focus more on antisocial personality disorder than on narcissistic personality disorder. I remember my friend giving this book back to me, but I think I lost it in a move at some point. And all I can remember is that this book hit me like a ton of bricks at 18, and I couldn't put it down until it was done. 11 out of 10 would recommend. I'll put the Amazon link in the sources in the description. And I just looked and a hardcover is only 11.07. And you can buy this book used for $1.83. Guys, just over a dollar for all this knowledge. Run, do not walk to your online cart, okay? I know you all have Prime. Now, before we deep dive into the research, I just want to present one of the key features of a narcissist. A narcissist will get upset with someone if that person talks to others about the narcissist's past words or actions that paint him or her in a negative light. And at this point, we have to invite the argument that, well, if you didn't want the other person stating the facts to others that make you look bad, then maybe you shouldn't have done those things or treated them so poorly. Taylor Swift was once asked by a concerned interviewer the following question. If you are naming the guys that you've dated in your songs, why do you think any guy is gonna wanna date you? Taylor replied honestly with, well, I guess in that situation, I just figure that if guys don't want me to write bad songs about them, then maybe they shouldn't do bad things. Well, Taylor, 
I couldn't have said it better myself. If you don't want people finding out about something you've done in the past or something you're thinking about doing in the future, it might just be best to sleep on it, think twice, and not do bad, shady, or hurtful things that have the potential to hurt the people you care about. And again, before I begin citing information from the article that I'm about to discuss, I need to state another disclaimer that with this information, I am not attempting to, nor can I, diagnose anyone with narcissistic personality disorder. I am trained as a doctor of physical therapy, and that is not within my personal or professional scope of practice to diagnose or treat. Rather, my intent by sharing this information is to present it in such a way that you, the listener, are able to look first in the mirror at yourself and then at the people close to you to see if any of these qualities are present within you or within others around you. I want you to look honestly and with good intention. Then, with this information, I hope that we can all normalize conversations about controversial topics like this and become a better society as a whole as a result of having these difficult conversations. So with all that being said, an article from helpguide.org written by Melinda Smith and Lawrence Robinson states that people with narcissistic personality disorder or NPD are, quote, in love with a self-inflated, idealized, grandiose image of themselves because it allows them to avoid deep feelings of insecurity. A typical narcissist will then project his or her or their insecurities onto others out of denial that these feelings exist within themselves. Dysfunctional attitudes and behaviors then arise that may be perceived by others as cocky, manipulative, selfish, patronizing, and demanding. These behaviors and attitudes may be apparent in either some or all relationships of the narcissist's life, from work to friendships to family to love relationships. So what are some of the classic signs and symptoms of a narcissist? Remember, we are not diagnosing here. We are simply discussing. Firstly, grandiosity is the defining characteristic of narcissism. Smith and Robinson state that grandiosity is a, quote, unrealistic sense of superiority. Narcissists believe that they are unique or, quote unquote, special and can only be understood by other, quote, special people. What's more, they believe that they are too good for anything average or ordinary. Now let's unpack this statement here. A lot of good people who are not narcissists have big dreams and believe that they are unique and can shoot for the moon and live an extraordinary life that isn't a victim to the system of the average eight to five with a white picket fence and two golden retrievers. You know, there are also many people who have gone through very challenging or unique experiences in life and believe that the average person cannot understand them for who they truly are because no one has truly been through what this person may have been through. One can certainly have these feelings without being a narcissist. Where these traits become problematic for a narcissist is when these feelings are used to create a sense of superiority and grandiosity in their interactions and relationships with others. Let's analyze the statement, you don't understand me, only my mom or my friend Marcus, or insert any other perceived quote unquote special person can understand me. You haven't been through what I've been through." End quote. This statement can have the potential to open up a healthy conversation with someone as to why they believe that others can't understand them properly. This is what we're looking for here. However, 
with a full-blown narcissist, this conversation has the potential to quickly invite defensiveness, and he or she or they will then likely begin projecting their insecurities onto the concerned other person who is attempting to understand them. The problem here lies in the way that the narcissist fundamentally perceives that they are grandiose and superior to the other person who they believe has not been through these quote-unquote special life experiences and therefore cannot ever truly understand them because what they have been through is superior or more difficult or better than what they perceive that the other concerned person may have been through in their life. They can't see both sides to the story. Another defining characteristic of a narcissist, as quoted from Smith and Robinson, is that he or she or they live in a fantasy world that supports their delusions of grandeur. Because true reality does not support these aforementioned feelings of superiority to others for the narcissist, he or she or they must create their own world through distortion and self-deception that they have achieved success, power, brilliance, or attractiveness that they may or may not truly have in reality. They live in a dream world that exaggerates or even outright lies on their resume about their achievements and talents, possibly due to their big dreams and high feelings of pride for themselves and their sense of character. Smith and Robinson also state that, quote, having an idealized image of love also makes them feel special and in control. These fantasies protect them from feelings of inner emptiness and shame, so facts and opinions that contradict them are ignored or rationalized away. Anything that threatens to burst the fantasy bubble is met with extreme defensiveness and even rage, so those around the narcissist learn to tread carefully around their denial of reality." End quote. If you or someone you know has ever been in love with a narcissist, this may really hit home for you. Love for a true narcissist is not love, but rather is about control. A narcissist believes that once you are in a relationship with them, you are theirs to control until the end. You are their property. They often do not see your feelings as genuine and may even tell you that you are the one living in a fantasy world and that you are not living in reality because their minds are so ingrained within their own delusions. Don't fall for it. I know Taylor Swift has fallen for it, and she learned from it. Let's analyze some of her lyrics now, shall we? In her song, Blank Space, Taylor Penn's got a long list of ex-lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane. Cause you know I love the players. And you, you love the game. So they'll say Taylor is insane because they can't see it within themselves. Taylor loves the narcissist genuinely for who they are, but all they love is the game of dating and the game of chasing after and capturing their prey. Once they win their prize, they then have no difficulty moving along to their next victim of love. Also within this song are the lyrics screaming, crying, perfect storms. I can make all the tables turn. Here, I think Taylor is reflecting on a time when she saw firsthand 
the rage of a narcissist aforementioned by Smith and Robinson in a disagreement, and Taylor was able to get through to him or her and made the tables turn for the better because they were finally able to look in the mirror and saw that Taylor was right. Next up, Taylor's song, I Did Something Bad, literally begins with, I never trust a narcissist, but they love me. So I'm actually going to just quote the lyrics that follow that first line here, because after that, I really don't think I'll need to explain anymore. Taylor can do it for me. She did a great job. So I'll just restart. I never trust a narcissist, but they love me. So I play him like a violin, and I make it look oh so easy. Cause for every lie I tell them, they tell me three. This is how the world works. Now, all he thinks about is me. If a man talks shit, then I owe him nothing. I don't regret it one bit. Cause he had it coming. They say I did something bad. Then why does it feel so good? Most fun I ever had. And I do it over and over and over again, if I could. It just felt so good. I never trust a playboy, but they love me. So I fly him all around the world and I let them think they saved me. <laughs> They never see it coming. What I do next. This is how the world works. You gotta leave before you get left. I can feel the flames on my skin. He says, don't throw away a good thing. But if he drops my name, then I owe him nothing. And if he spends my change, then he had it coming. They're burning all the witches, them being society. Even if you aren't one, they got their pitchforks and proof, their receipts and reasons. So light me up, light me up, light me up, go ahead and light me up. They say I did something bad, but why does it feel so good? So you can read the rest of the Smith and Robinson article for yourself if you want more details on the following traits. But a narcissist is also defined by a need for constant praise and admiration for what they do, a sense of entitlement, exploitation of others without guilt or shame, and frequently demeaning, intimidating, bullying, or belittling others. I think one of the biggest reasons why narcissists have such a hard time admitting they have a problem is because of the grossly negative societal perception of the label narcissist. I should devote a whole nother episode on how problematic it is to label people like this in general. I mean, no one wants to be seen as having a bad reputation because of negative labels placed on them by other people. It's quite frankly barbaric that we still even do this, and it's only getting worse within society as time goes on. Smith and Robinson do a great job of defining the different types of narcissism in their article. A lot of people don't realize that there is not just one classic narcissist definition. There are actually many forms. 
These include adaptive narcissism, overt or grandiose narcissism, covert or vulnerable narcissism, communal narcissism, antagonistic narcissism, and malignant narcissism. I think when society thinks of narcissists, they think of either antagonistic or malignant narcissists, and they don't realize that there are several other forms. So antagonistic narcissists are often seen as highly competitive, aggressive, hostile, and unwilling or slow to forgive. Malignant narcissists are the ones who actually may take the disorder to the extreme and take joy in other people's pain. They may begin displaying antisocial behaviors that disregard the rights and or the safety of others. And I think this is the one that Stout was primarily discussing in her book that I linked in the Amazon link in the description of this podcast episode. So now let's unpack the four other types of narcissism and see how those differ. Adaptive narcissism is when a person with the disorder leans into positive traits like independence and confidence that can actually in theory be healthy. This person may genuinely help other colleagues and friends set high ambitions and they could also enjoy satisfying relationships without being over dependent on a partner. And I think the definition of this one really made me look in the mirror and think about myself honestly. How many adaptive narcissists do you think are out there? Overt narcissists are typically seen as extroverted, confident, and assertive. Their downfall is that they are highly likely to overestimate their own emotional intelligence and may come off as uncooperative, selfish, or overbearing. Have you ever worked with an overt narcissist? I know I may have. Covert narcissists, on the other hand, are seen as introverted. They are extremely sensitive to criticism and may be seen as defensive and passive-aggressive due to their low self-esteem. Have you ever lived with a covert narcissist? I think I may have. Remember, we're not diagnosing and labels are still problematic. I'm just having fun. I'm sorry. And finally, communal narcissists tend to view themselves as altruistic and claim to care deeply about fairness. They present themselves to others as supportive and selfless, but deep down, their behavior is motivated by a desire for social power and that lingering sense of superiority. Their actions may seem incongruent with their beliefs because their true intentions do not align with their fantasized perception of themselves. So, with all that information, we must beg the question, can a narcissist change? Well, the long answer is yes, but it's extremely difficult for them. Half the battle really is just getting the narcissist to look in the mirror and admit that they have a problem. Smith and Robinson continue discussing this topic of change in their article with, quote, their tendency is to turn the blame onto others. What's more, they are extremely sensitive and react badly to even the slightest criticisms, disagreements, or perceived slights in their character, which they view as personal attacks. For the people in the narcissist's life, it's often easier to just go along with their demands in order to avoid their coldness and rages." End quote. If you or someone you know is involved with a narcissist, there are things that you can do. First, set healthy boundaries based on mutual respect and caring. Make a realistic plan for success to implement those boundaries by considering your goals and the potential obstacles in your way. 
Consider a gentle approach when communicating your boundaries to the narcissist. Remember that by pointing out their hurtful or dysfunctional behavior, you are damaging their self-image of perfection. Focus on how their behavior makes you feel rather than on their motivations and their intentions. If they respond with anger and defensiveness, try to remain calm. Walk away if need be and revisit the conversation later. Now with that being said, don't set a boundary unless you're willing to keep it. Follow up with any consequences specified. If you back down again, you're sending the message that you don't need to be taken seriously this time. Be prepared for other changes in your relationship with the narcissist. The narcissist will feel threatened and upset by your attempts to take control of your life because they are used to calling the shots about you in your life. To compensate, they may attempt to manipulate or charm you into giving up your new boundaries before they're even enacted. It's up to you to stand firm. Another thing is don't take things personally. To protect themselves from feelings of inferiority and shame, narcissists must deny their shortcomings, cruelties, and mistakes towards you. Often, they do this by projecting their own faults onto you and to others. I know it's very upsetting to get blamed for something that's not your fault or to be characterized with negative traits that you know yourself you don't possess. As hard as it is, don't take it personally. It really isn't about you. It's about them as it always has been. Okay, this is a big one and a really tough one, but don't argue with a narcissist. When they attack you, the natural instinct is to defend yourself and to try to prove the narcissist wrong. What they're saying about you isn't true, but no matter how rational you are, they likely won't hear you because remember what we said, they live in their own fantasy world. Arguing your point is likely to escalate the situation in a very unpleasant way. Don't waste your breath. Simply tell the narcissist that you disagree with them and move on. This act of moving on from the conversation may even escalate it further. And that's okay. Everything will blow over and you just gotta move along. Look for support and purpose elsewhere, in friendships, in work, in volunteering, and in hobbies. Spend time with people who value you and know you for who you truly are and genuinely validate your thoughts and feelings. And at the end of the day, the last thing we all truly need is some therapy, both for you and for the narcissist. This isn't an easy topic or situation to handle, and working with a skilled therapist can help you work on developing healthy boundaries, increasing your emotional intelligence, building stronger relationships, and communicating your wants and needs effectively. I'm going to link an article in the description of this podcast for affordable and often free online or in-person therapy and counseling services. So check there if you're interested. Phew, 
That was a lot to take in. I hope you're all still with me. So switching gears a bit here, it's now time for this week's Where Are They Now segment. I went to Miami, Florida for New Year's Eve in search of Miley Cyrus for the second year in a row last weekend. After yet another year of coming so close but so far to her show, I rang in the countdown to midnight under the stars on South Beach with some of my favorite people, so I can't really complain. After watching footage the next day and seeing pictures of Miley's New Year's Eve party online, however, I noticed that none other than Paris Hilton had resurfaced there. Now I think we all know where this is going. Where is she now? don't know our girl Paris. According to her own personal website, parishilton.com, Paris is a quote, innovator, podcast host, investor, TV star, advocate, artist, and more. She began her career in the spotlight by starring on the hit TV show, The Simple Life, from 2003 to 2007. According to an article from Time Magazine written in August 2022, just a few months ago, The Simple Life, holds a legacy as one of the 50 most influential reality TV seasons of all time. The whole premise of the show was having our two rich socialites, Paris, and additionally her friend Nicole Richie, struggle to do manual labor and low-paying jobs like farm work, working in fast food restaurants, cleaning services, and as camp counselors, while cameras captured the whole thing live. Things of that nature. It ran for five seasons and has 54 episodes at only 22 minutes each, if you can find them out there somewhere. Since then, Paris has built a, quote, global empire as a businesswoman, influencer, activist, DJ, designer, investor, recording artist, philanthropist, host, actress, chef, model, an author. She has been named number seven on Forbes's 50 Most Influential People in NFTs and was recently awarded winner of Best Charity NFT at the 2020 NFT Awards. Now for anyone out there who doesn't know what an NFT or a non-fungible token is, according to an article from Forbes, an NFT is a quote, digital asset that can come in the form of art, music, in-game items, videos, and more. They are bought and sold online, frequently with cryptocurrency, and they are generally encoded with the same underlying software as many cryptos. Today, it seems that Paris's time is likely occupied with her multi-billion dollar company, 1111 Media, that she created back in 2006. 1111 Media started back in the day with 45 branded stores and 19 product lines. Fast forward to today, the company is a one-stop shop, fully integrated media and product company spanning the market into areas like television with Slivington Manor Entertainment that also has a multi-year partnership with Warner Brothers, podcasts like London Audio that also has a multi-year partnership with iHeartMedia, digital media with 1111 Digital, licensing, NFTs, music, general impact, and more. Well, it sounds like Paris Hilton is thriving, to say the least. We love to see it, Paris. Keep up the amazing work. Your actions today reach so much further around the world and into the future than you know. Okay, everyone, that brings us up to this week's My Dad the Life Coach segment. This week, our listener Allie wrote in a question stating, What are your experiences with New Year's resolutions? Have you kept any? Have any epically failed? And now, coming at you live, is My Dad the Life Coach. 